Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the Hall of Famer, Larry Clisby, episode 52 here on the podcast. Unbelievable, we've done 52. And before we get started here, I wanted to kind of update everybody. We've kind of had a long break um, from our last podcast. And uh, our partner here, Cliz, is feeling a lot better. And uh, basically, uh, we, we took our break because, um, Larry, you were, you're dealing with some side effects of cancer medication uh, wasn't directly related to cancer itself it was more the medication there so obviously on the men feeling a lot better and we're uh, we're glad to have you back and it's fun to, to sit down and do another podcast here yeah I had a you know I started having um, where I'd wake up and then I had trouble putting both feet on the ground without almost falling over mm-hmm so balance yeah and then I uh, had a really strange deal where I couldn't get off certain days. I had uh, this one date, uh, I forget which one it is now, but it was in um, last month, and every day was the same day. And so, like, pe- like Groundhog Day. Yeah, and so when people would ask me what day I thought it was, oncologists would ask me, I'd say, well, today's Thursday. No. Then the next day, today's Thursday. No, <laughs> you know, and so that so I had to take some treatment for that, and it and it worked, um, really worked really well. So the only things that are bothering me now are basically my legs, and you know, people will watch me and they'll see, you know, where I do those little short steps. Right. And uh, I do that most in traffic if I'm with a lot of people. Uh, I can take longer steps when I'm just by myself or with just one person. But so people know in terms of the cancer, things are looking really good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, always going to have something there that might pop up. And we had this pop up, which we didn't see coming. Right. Um, but we've taken care of it immediately. And uh, so, yeah, my, my cancer, the cancer itself has been eliminated uh, for the most part in um, both the lungs and uh, the brain. Uh, there's still remnants, but uh, you know, like I said from the beginning, the doctors in me would say the deal is not so much to cure it, but to ram it into remission. You know, right? And if you get it there, you can get as much as three, five, or eight years. And hell, I'm I'll be 72 next month. If I got eight years, I'm all right with that, man. My my right hand is straight up in the air, man. So I, if 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 you can have the quality of life that you know you normally have, and my quality of life's been pretty good. I mean, right? You know, at first I had nausea and stuff like that that wasn't fun to play with, and these legs have bothered me and stuff like that. But I haven't had any pain. Well, you've uh, you you look the weight's been coming back on, the hair's coming back in. The well, the, she uh, called me my oncologist called me pudgy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but uh, the the famous hair's returning and everything. So you look great. It's great to have you back to to, uh, to jump back on the podcast with us. And now I want to welcome in our guest. And just so uh, people know, and and Larry, so you know too, um, I we had so many. I have had so many people reaching out to me over. Twitter, um, and then our email, boilerballpodcast at gmail.com. 
um, I had a lot of people saying, hey, we're dying for another podcast here. When's the next podcast? So to be sitting down to do it is really good. And we've had, I had a, a handful of people said, we've got to start hearing from the seniors this year. And so that's exactly the route we're going to take. So welcome in uh, one of our two seniors this year, Grady Eifert. So Grady, welcome uh, to the Boilerball Podcast. Great having you here. Yeah, thank, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. So a lot to talk about with Grady. Um, <coughs> and I wanted to start with, uh, so the Eifert household, as a child growing up, um, I'm, I'm assuming that sports was a huge part of, every, of pretty much everything probably when you were a kid. Um, what's your earliest recollection of just childhood and sports and, and everything like that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was uh, growing up, we'd go in the backyard, play backyard football, and then uh, we'd take it to the, the pavement and we'd have our games of 21 or, you know, horse. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've, we'd even move it into the family room a couple of times and we'd play knee football and uh, we'd have me, my little brother, and obviously older brother Tyler and uh, those are those are my biggest memories of uh, just the little games around the house, and then obviously it translated into grade school sports and then high school sports as well. So for the, our listeners, I'm sure most people are aware, but uh, Grady's dad, Greg, played here uh, for the Boilermakers, 1980 to 84, uh, was Coach Katie's first four seasons as head coach, and uh, your dad's been a big part of the program for a long time. Always comes around quite a bit. Good relationship with Coach Katie. Um, we've we knew we've known him a lot longer than we've known you. Uh, I can remember when you were younger and just kind of seeing you, which is really kind of weird to think about. Yeah. And then uh, um, and then obviously uh, we'll get to kind of how you ended up here. But older brother, you're the middle of three brothers, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so a lot of people know um, your older brother is an NFL tight end. Um, went to Notre Dame, and then your younger brother is... He's, he's going to be a senior in high school. Okay, next year. so he's about, ready to, junior year. he's about ready to start getting his plans together for so. college, right? Mm-hmm. So and when as you were growing up, did Dad talk about his days at Purdue a lot, or was that something he just kind of... You know, he, he always talked... I mean, from what we hear, we have two different sides of the story. Because when, <laughs> when I got here, it's... You know, he didn't get to shoot that much. You know, he was really just on the on the floor for his defensive efforts. And you know, he told us kind of otherwise. You know, he was he was a really good scorer in high school, and but didn't really go into the details. You know, when he was here, kind of just said you glossed know, over that. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, he just said, you know, Coach Katie loved me, and uh, you know, I was on the floor, uh, you know, battling battling with the bigs, and he's one of the best, uh, you know. Uh, Ford's, you know, defender in the in the Big Ten. So, uh, you know, he kind of skimmed over that that scoring that scoring a, uh, aspect of it. So, and Clez, you were calling games, obviously, when uh, when Greg was playing. Well, there are a lot of stories about Greg and about whether he could shoot or not, right? Whether he had permission to shoot or not. And we we'd hear him, you know, in the background somewhere. But uh, but I will say this about Greg Eifert, man, that guy. Uh, of all the people who've been here, he worked as hard as any of them, and uh, he, he was a he was a great defensive player. He set screens. Uh, he dove for loose balls. He did everything Coach Katie would want a player to do, with the exception of hit every shot that he took. Right. So if he, so if he took some shots that Coach didn't think was 
you know, I don't think you really should take that shot, which could be an eight-foot shot in front of the basket. Who sure, knows? Sure. Uh, if he didn't make it. And uh, so that was a big deal. And then Greg kind of had to live with that. He's had to live with it ever since, you know. Well, Coach Katie didn't want you to do it. You know, Coach Katie didn't want you to take that shot. How come he <laughs> took that shot? Coach Katie didn't want you to take that shot. But uh, Greg was a great player here and part of our first Big Ten championship team with Coach Katie. And uh, he did a heck of a job. Yeah, that first Big Ten title team in 1984. Did you, did you talk about that? I know. In years past, we've done certain things where we'll ask some of our former players who have won Big Ten titles to kind of reach out and share their their recollections and experiences and to kind of share some wisdom with our current players. And your dad's always one that reached out right away, and you could tell still has that competition burning in him. Yeah, I think when he talks about it, he always said that, you know, I don't think they were the favorites. In, right. Oh, um, no. I think they picked them ninth or something in the Big Ten. That time they only had like 11 teams. But... Um, I think they were just younger, and then uh, they realized, you know, they just came in with a chip on their shoulder and uh, took it one game at a time, and then they end up, you know, at the end, they were Big Ten championships, and no one thought thought it was going to happen, so. Yeah, that, that team was picked, you're exactly right, they were picked to finish ninth, and the story along those lines is in the preseason banquet over at the Union, we had an interim president at that time, Hicks, and he basically told Coach Katie and the team, he said, hey, I'm, I'm pulling for you, I'm rooting for you, and Coach, if you can if you can win a Big Ten with this team, I got an autographed Babe Ruth ball that I'll be happy to give to you at season's end. So fast forward a few months, Purdue wins Big Ten, and Coach Katie called over. Hey, you got that ball ready, Babe? <laughs> but Coach still has that Babe Ruth ball. So that's a that was a pretty cool side story to that season. But that I think anytime you talk to those guys, Coach Katie and those guys, it's one of their his favorite teams was that '84 team because they were able to overcome the odds and get that title. Another good story on that team uh, after winning the championship in Minneapolis, and it was a close game and a really well played game, and uh, we won it. And then of course we're flying home. And we're flying home, and of course we don't know what the uh, NCAA uh, bracket's going to be, and so the pilot is trying to find out for us. And of course, in those days, no Big Ten tournament, so the Big Ten regular season concluded on Selection Sunday. Oh. Yeah, right. So yeah, so. yeah, 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 right. And so, but here's the here's the nightmare of this thing is that uh, they come on, and the and the pilot says. Well, we understand that Purdue has drawn Memphis. And Memphis was one of the top five teams in the country, and we're, we're playing at home. At their, so, at their yeah, place. At right. their place. So we just found out on our flight home after winning the Big Ten Championship <laughs> that our opponent was going to be a top five team on their home floor. Unbelievable. And uh, we couldn't, and no one could believe it. But we had about uh, 10,000 people, I bet. We're at the airport to greet us coming home, and the guy we had in there, Wisconsin, one of those, uh, remember those old players? Propeller planes? Yeah, yeah. Prop jet. And he went down and dipped the wings and stuff. It, it was it was really cool. It was fun to be part of, but none of us, I don't think any of us, in Memphis, Keith Lee, and uh, they had some other, they had another great player. And um, so we had to go down there and play them on their home floor, and they were a good program to begin with. So, so Grady, what was your sport when you were young? I mean, did you play everything? Or yeah, did you... I kind of I went from soccer to football to basketball. I think those are my three main. Then I always played golf as well. I played in those little 
peewee pepsi tournaments growing up oh as yeah well, okay so. cool yeah um really i didn't i didn't have a favorite it was kind of just when i was younger i was playing all those sports and then as i moved into high school um i was a late bloomer so i wasn't the biggest kid at all i was if you go look back at uh recent high school you know highlights of basketball you know ever the guys were just watching the other day and they're like dude you were so skinny like <laughs> and uh that's the reason kind of why i didn't play football i didn't stay with that was because i was just way too little and i was kind of this long lengthy kid that uh you know was growing into my body late and i figured that basketball would give me the best chance to play at the next level and uh so i went i went with that route and that's obviously why i went to a prep school for an, for another year of development yeah uh, just try try to get some more weight on my on my bones. So. so when did you hit your growth spurt? How old were you? Was it your sophomore year? No, it was probably my junior, junior year. Yeah, going into my senior year. So wow. I was younger too for my grade. So I was an April birthday, and um, yeah, it was probably my junior going into my senior year. So I can relate. I was a late bloomer as well, and um, I used to joke because my learner's permit that you get when you're basically a sophomore. Yeah, it said five four one ten. Or one thirty or something. I think mine was like five seven, like one sixty five or something. Yeah, it was cra- like, oh, it was crazy. Yeah. And then you know, then then I hit this growth spurt, and then like people look at your license and go, "That's not." I mean, that's your picture, but that's not you. Like, yeah. so I can I can very much relate to that. It's very frustrating because you want to get out there and compete, and yeah. yet you don't have have the body to do it. Uh, yeah. But when it does happen, then obviously you yeah, kind of take off. Say, yeah. And and you mentioned then going to prep school. Uh, you went to Don Bosco, which is um, uh, up the road from here. Oh, in Crown Point. Mm. Um, what was that decision like? Like, you know, you're you're kind of wrapping up high school, and was it a, was it a no brainer that? Yeah, so we were we were looking, you know, on the East Coast, and that's where the majority of the prep schools are. And um, I was on an AU team at the time, and um, at the time they they mentioned one of the kids. He said, "Oh, I, I'm going to a prep school up in." Uh, Crown Point, India, not too far from you know my house as well, and uh, we we did some research on it and looked into it. I think it was their second second year at the time, and um, uh, we we took that into account, and uh, we ended up just going there just because it was closer to home. And, right. Uh, we went up and saw the facilities; they were nice. We saw the schedule that they were going to play. They were going to play Lalamere and some of the high caliber teams, and uh, we thought that was just the best best way for me to get exposure. So. And I know, um, I remember talking to your dad about, you know, being aware of you and, and your desire to play, you know, and and then you guys, I'll never forget, you guys came down for a game, and I, I can't remember who we played, but I remember after the game, um, you and your mom and dad came back to the locker room, yeah. and, and we talked, and Coach Painter talked to you. Yeah. And was that the time he said we have a spot for you? Yeah. Was he, that night? Yeah. He's like, if you, you're more than welcome. He's like, if you... If you want to get yourself into something that's, you know, you're going to have to grind out every single day and uh, work toward your dream, you know, we have a spot here for you. And I think uh, Rayfield Davis came in, he introduced himself and kind of talked, you know, we'd love to have you if you're if you're willing to do that. And uh, no, it was, it was a good time. So, Well, and I got to say, you know, we get a lot of the walk-on requests kind of get funneled to me. And we probably get anywhere from 25 to 50 request a year of guys that want to come walk on and we try to on the front end we try to scare them because it's it's hard and you know you're you a lot of these guys you play basketball your whole life and you're used to playing 
and you're most likely going to walk into a scenario where you're probably not going to play, mm-hmm. but yet you're expected to do all the other work that everybody's doing, the weights and the off-season and the conditioning and everything else. So it's a really, really hard deal. And a lot of times you try to find a walk-on that's got some size or some physicality to them, and uh, that can really – what we look at is a guy that's going to come in and help us in practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll never forget when, when, when you – and then, well, so – before we get too far down the road, so when that night happens, what was the thought process like leaving? Like when you guys were walking to the car, were yeah, you know, my mom's like tapping me, like can you believe, like can you believe you just got, you know? <laughs> so she's so excited. I'm still like kind of thinking about it, and uh, we're talking the whole way home. You know, it's I'm not napping or I'm not taking a little nap. You know, it's a two hour drive, so we're we're just talking about you know, how awesome would that be to go go play for you know where your dad played and at, at such a high level. How how cool would that be and my mom's asking me all these different questions. Now, would you really want to? So, we, yeah. you know, we just kind of went back and looked at the pros and the cons, and uh, compared it to some of the other schools that I could that I could have gone to and played. But uh, yeah, we were we were pretty excited, I'd say. And you guys were kind of used to the recruiting process with mm-hmm. your brother, obviously a highly recruited tight end that that played collegially at Notre Dame. Um, so that had to be somewhat of a help. Did he pass along any wisdom, just kind of on the thought process of that kind of thing? Yeah, it was it was a little different, just because he had had the recruitment at the at that high Division One level, and I hadn't really had that. I had more of the Division Two or NIIA. But he just said the biggest thing is go to a school that really wants you, and that really you know wants to take the time to invest in you. And I felt like you know Purdue, even though it was a walk on spot for for Coach Painter to offer me that, it means. He obviously wants me, and um, even Rayfield Davis, a guy that you know hadn't really known me, but you know was from Fort Wayne, just showing that he came up to me after after they just won a game and expressed his feelings. You know, we'd love to have you. It was uh, was huge for me, and um, is something that I think I think that helped from my, what my brother said. Just go to a school that really wants you. So then. Uh the decision gets made, and uh, you got you joined us. Did you come in that June with everybody yeah, else? Everybody so, came in, yep. Yeah. So our freshmen always for our, for our listeners, our freshmen always join us the June after they graduate. So typically graduations are in May, and then they'll join us in June for eight weeks of summer class. Um, so how big an adjustment was that? And and now you have a year of prep school under your belt, mm-hmm. so you know that had to help already kind of being away from home for schooling for a year. Yeah, I was used to, you know, being away from school, but being on a campus was was the biggest thing. You know, I had my car down here, but it was, you know, trying to figure out where the buildings were and uh, what what restaurants to go to, and um, I think that was the biggest thing. Then obviously, getting acclimated to the Big Ten and practices in the summer, summer workouts, weight training, and uh, conditioning was was the biggest change for me. Yeah, that's uh, you go. That's the big thing is like you're. Guys come in and they're graduating, and then like three weeks later they're yeah. in the weight room full you think, blown. You think high school workouts are hard, <laughs> and then you know you get to you get to the next level and you do your first day and you're like, wow, I've never done anything like that in high school. So uh, no, it's definitely different, but uh, definitely pushes your limits and makes you a better player. So you come in and uh, I remember early on in your tenure, I remember. Uh, Coach Katie would call about you all the time, mm-hmm. and you know, hey, how's how's Greg's son doing? And I remember right away uh, telling him that you know what, Coach, he plays so hard in practice, like he makes us better 
And I think that's been the one constant from day one has been just the value you've brought. Um, and I got to say that like now that you're getting so many minutes and starting games for us and contributing, and you contributed last year too. Like it's just it's really cool to see all that work kind of pay off. Um, did you? What were your expectations when you got here? Did you ever see kind of this happening for you? I I just knew that. You know, the first two years were definitely going to be a struggle, and it's, I mean, I'm not going to see that much playing time, and I was okay with that. And I think I talked to the, I talked to my parents about that as well. It's like, you know, you're not going to play those first two years when you get there, but as long as you can work hard and, you know, push those guys in practice and, um, you know, maybe your last two years, maybe, you know, it's never, right. never given, but uh, maybe you can contribute on the court and, you know, get your minutes, and uh, it was able to, it was able to uh, work out that way, and uh, I had some greats in front of me, though. It was Biggie, you know, at the time, and then right. Vince, obviously, such a great player here as well. But um, just learn from those guys, and uh, when you battle against those guys every day in practice, it only can make you better. There's no way you're going to get worse. So I think that was the biggest thing was just having that same mental attitude coming in every day for practice, ready to work. So. Right. Now, when you guys were um – when you came in, you mentioned Biggie and everything. When we split up, because part of our practice is we go, we split ends of the floor, and the guards are at one end, Bigs are at the other. So, were you going down there with the Bigs right away? I don't know if it was right away, but I knew if someone went down, I was definitely right. getting sent down there. At the time, actually, I think I was doing, you know, I was the guard coming off the ball screens with them, so okay. I wasn't really, you know, going against them in the post. I was more of like. Just coming off the ball screens, you know, feeding yeah. them. But so you were drilling with them, but yeah, not that, necessarily yeah, tangling not, up with no. them down there. But think, but who else was down there? I mean, list those it guys. Was AJ, <laughs> it was AJ, Biggie, Isaac, <laughs> Vince. I mean, it was they were all huge. So think about that. <laughs> yeah, it's like biggest team in the country now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think probably, uh, yeah, pound for pound, certainly the biggest front line in the country, and yeah. you have. First three. Absolutely. I mean, just between Isaac and AJ, that those two alone. You didn't even have to bring in Biggie. To <laughs> so the what was that so. like? Like, obviously, when you're at Don Bosco, you're not seeing those bodies. No. I mean, you're not seeing those bodies anywhere. I mean, no. I, that's not a knock on Don Bosco. You're not no. seeing those bodies at most places. What went through your mind like? I remember the first day I saw Isaac, I, I literally couldn't <laughs> believe it. And then I was, used to, I was used to Biggie because I played against him in high school, but and then AJ being another another seven footer that if you're even close to putting a shop around the rim it's gonna get blocked. So right. I tried to use my pump face as much as I could, I guess. That is wild. I didn't even think about that because I was gonna ask you when you were a freshman what you know, how the team was composed and all that and who made up some of the players and stuff like that. I didn't I forgot about AJ. I was gonna say I knew yeah. that Biggie and Isaac were there with you, but no, yeah, AJ was boy, was that is too. yeah, that's no joke on that front line like that. <laughs> that's great. So you come in, and, and I, at that point, we were kind of starting the, the resurgence. Um, you know, Vince and those guys were sophomores. Is yep. that right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we had been in the tournament the year before after a two-year drought. Um, just talk about the culture and the, and the team and the locker room and that kind of stuff. Yeah, at the time, I think it was uh, Ray's senior year and AJ's senior year, I think, when I came out as a freshman. And you could, you could kind of tell, you know, we just made the tournament, and so guys were – they got a glimpse of what it was like to be there, and you could tell that offseason was intense just because they they wanted to get back there, and it was kind of a heartbreaker against Cincinnati. You know, got yeah, beat yeah. in um, a really close game, but 
you could just tell those guys wanted to make it back there and uh that off season was a grind i remember and even the coaches were on us but it was something that we knew we could get back there and uh we wanted to wanted to really badly so i think with those those guys underneath us as sophomores they, they saw what it was like to you know be in that tournament and um they knew that going forward they could they could do that the next couple of years so i think they really took after uh ray's leadership and um, even though he had had a rough couple of years before, he knew what it was like not right. to make the tournament. So um, that was the biggest thing going forward was those summer workouts. It was no time to take take time off. They they wanted to get back in the gym and get get better. And I seem to think, Larry, and you you probably felt the same way. It seemed like the hunger was there because we felt like we were kind of on the way back. Those guys were still pretty young, Vince and PJ and Dakota, and those guys sophomores, but we had good older leadership with Ray um, AJ was around um, Biggie was you know in the mix we felt like we were going to have some pretty good years I think ahead of us and, and it turns out obviously we did um, those guys uh, you know won a lot of games here what was that like just from a leader seeing you know Ray fell we always talk about one of the best leaders we've ever yeah. had what was that kind of like I mean you just knew if you I know didn't... you guys are close that's why I bring yeah. him up no, the biggest thing he just held everyone accountable. If it didn't matter who you were, if you were the best player on the team, you know, a walk on like me is like, if you were late for a workout, you know, you had punishment, and that's even after, you know, he just want, you know, got to the NCAA tournament. It wasn't like he was time to settle down, you know, relax a little bit. He was always, always pushing us, and uh, I think that was the biggest thing for us. And uh, just being a younger player, you know, watching him do the things that he did and after struggling uh, early on in his career to be able to finish like that I think was great for him and uh, great for the program just like to, to pass that on to the to the younger guys and uh, those those four seniors you know that graduated last year I think they were able to learn a lot from him as well and then obviously you get to win a Big Ten title as a sophomore yeah. um, so what was that like did your dad welcome you to the club oh yeah welcome to the club and uh, you know he said you know, you didn't get picked ninth, but I guess you know, still, still counts. Still counts a Big Ten championship, and um, you know, it kind of just whenever you win a Big Ten championship, you always can uh, talk to those former guys that have have won it and have done that, and they know how how hard it you know it is to win one. And I remember you would come into the the, the hotels and tell us, you know, this is what we got to do to win. We had I think like six or seven games left. You know, if this pans out. And, you know, we just knew if we took it one game at a time, and I think it ended up working out just the way you, you had drawn it up and told us. But uh, that, was, that was, you know, one of the biggest accomplishments we've had here and uh, something, something to be proud of. Yeah, and it's really cool, I think. I just remember that night when we clinched against Indiana and what a special night that was. And, you know, I, I, I mean, Larry, you've called so many big games, but that was one of the coolest, just the way it worked out to get your arch rival on a chance to win the Big Ten. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's great to beat them, but when you can beat them on your home floor and do that and have the crowd be part of it, that was, yeah, that was really big. And, then, of course, as we tape this, we're on the uh, – we're kind of building up to the Indiana game here mm-hmm. this year. Um, and, and getting into this year, you know, you you went last year from – uh, you had a great role for us. Um, got heavy minutes late when Vince went down with his ankle injury. But I can remember even last year, big games like against Marquette. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a great game up there. You yep. know, coming in, knocking shots down, and getting big time rebounds and things like that. Um, 
you know, it's it, it it's been like I said earlier. It's been cool to see you go from a guy who helped us in practice to a guy who makes significant contributions mm-hmm. on the floor. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that's it's crazy when you look back at it. Just to think those first two years, sometimes you wouldn't even get in and practice. You know, you'd sit on the sidelines most of the time just because we had so many guys. But, right. Um, you know, it always works out, and uh, as long as you have that same mental mental attitude, you know, every everyone's physically, you know. Uh, sore or beat up during the season but the mental the mental aspect of it is huge just to stay focused and stay you know on 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 task and um you know just to be able to you know get those two starts last year was huge for me when you know Vince goes down and uh being able to step up and I think that was the biggest thing the guys around me were you know you got this you know this is what you've this is why you came here this is why you uh wanted to be a part of this program and uh, I just took all that into account, and uh, that was that was the biggest thing for me was uh, just building my confidence once I got in there. And I think both those games, I had two early buckets. I think against uh, Penn State, I had an and yeah. one or right. something right away. Yeah. yeah, to start. And the then game. North or then at Illinois, I had a the first layup of the game, and that that kind of gets you going as 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 you can score, and uh, you know you proved yourself that you can be out there, and then. Um, just try to just play play your game and uh, don't don't try to overthink it was the biggest thing for me. Well, recently you've been uh, told Blackman this recently that uh, seems like uh, Grady gets the first shot of every game and usually it's a triple and he makes it. I yeah. mean, it's just like boom, man. We're 15 seconds into the game and he seems to have a way of figuring out how to get that done. So, but you're, I mean, the fact. That you're a walk-on, which has been talked about ad nauseum uh, by our fans and other people who follow Purdue basketball. Um, boy, you've killed that. You you've axed that thing completely. Yeah. I mean, because you can play, you can play with a lot of people in this league, and uh, walk-on status doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well, and you've been on scholarship the last couple of years, and you've, you've more than earned that. And um, you probably don't know this, but early on, uh, Coach Katie, when he checked in one time, he was asking how you were doing, and I said, Coach, I said he's really good. I said he probably he might. I said he's definitely one of the best walk-ons we've ever had. And you know, Coach is protective of the guys who play for him. He goes, <laughs> What? Wait a minute. <laughs> I said, No, Coach, he's really good. And he's like, I don't know. And he started rattling off all these walk-ons that he had. <laughs> and so then when he's been around and seen us seen us in person and seen you play, he, I think he gets as big a thrill of it. And I think I know a lot of it is because he's so happy for your dad, too, because he knows yeah. your dad's um, Yeah, the other day, I think so it proud. was after the – maybe it was a Wisconsin game, but he left a voicemail on my dad's my dad's <laughs> sound. My dad sent it to me. It was funny. It was just – I love the way that twenty four plays. You know, he really gets after it <laughs> in his voice. But uh, well, I heard a story the other night from, and I didn't realize this. Obviously, <coughs> it's in the middle of the game. But um, your dad was at the game in in Madison, mm-hmm. sitting behind the bench there. And I guess you went to the line. Uh, and people who our fans obviously listen to this probably watch that game and know how the game ended. And close game, we're in overtime and. Grady gets fouled, goes to the line. We're tied, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know how much time was left. Like 30 seconds? 30 seconds, 30 right seconds in that neighborhood, so, yeah. yeah. And uh, 
So I was talking to a guy who was on the trip with us and was sitting a couple seats down from your dad, and he goes, and I, I couldn't help but kind of look down and see how your dad was doing. And he said, when you went to the line, your dad closed his eyes. Oh, and he, he's a nervous wreck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think look tough, but he's... <laughs> <laughs> so he had some nerves going yeah. and uh, didn't phase you. You knocked down both free throws, and then obviously we got the stop on the other end and, and got the win. But, uh, you know, if you had to shoot those... As a freshman or sophomore, Ooh, your nerves probably yeah, wouldn't yeah, been might, go. Might wouldn't have been it? a little different story, but I just thought back to the same thing. I was, you know, that's why you come to Purdue. That's why you, you know, want to go to a Big Ten school is for moments like that. I think that's just what kept running through my head was, you know, you've you put in the time, you've put in the work. It's just now you got to go out and execute and and knock them down. And um, being a senior, is, you know, it's great great to do that. Yeah. That's the call center, though, man. I mean, that's, oh yeah, right. I <laughs> that's the call center, national TV. Boom, boom, yeah, man. That's big time. The thing that I want to ask you about, and I'm sure our fans want to know, um, you have a tremendous uh, chemistry with our new sensation, Travion Williams. Yeah, and uh, it's the passing between the two of you. It just sensational yeah great call yeah and i man i look at that and i say i have never seen that i've never seen that from a freshman uh the way he handles himself and the way he finds an open man and most of the time the open man is him because he's the guy that does all the cutting and uh it's it's really fun to see it is he's he's something isn't he yeah it's if you can make a good cut you know you're gonna get the ball from he's he's a really good passer out of the post and uh, he's always looking to find his guys, but then he knows when he's one on one, he can he can go and score score a bucket for you as well. But uh, no, he does he does a great job at being able to find the open cutters, and that's just what I try to do when he gets the ball because I know he'll he'll dump it down. But I don't the, remember any time. I I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's happened, but 16 and 13 uh, as a freshman, man. And some of those passes he threw to you, like people, I don't know if people understand how hard those are to catch in yeah. traffic, mm-hmm. you know, because you're getting bumped. Well, we've knocked. had other teams that those are bounce off people's heads. Right, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, those are uh, those are so hard, and not only are you making the catches in traffic, but you're finishing or getting fouled uh, a majority of the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's exactly right, Cliz. It, it's, it's really good chemistry. You, get, you guys are on the same page. And you got to be on the same page, too, in regards to, um, some of the double teams because we're, yeah. we're double in the post mm-hmm. a lot. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of chemistry involved on both ends of the floor with you guys. But you're obviously doing a really really good job. So um, this team right now is kind of coming along, coming on. Um, you know, as we sit now, the league is absolutely yeah. crazy. That's and a, every night it's something. Different. Every night, like we talk. Um, we talk before practice a lot, just in the locker room with the guys about how how nuts everything is, and every night there's some some new storyline that is that has emerged from the night before. How much fun is this? I mean, just kind of being in such a great league, and now that we're playing so well. Yeah, I think early on, and you could see the Big Ten start to develop as being one of the you know this conference is going to be crucial this year. It's going to be loaded at the front, loaded at the back. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Every night it's going to be tough, and I think Coach Payne came in to the locker room one time. He's like, I, I guarantee this will be the best best uh, Big Ten season. You know, that between the teams, it's, it's going to be crazy. You know, everyone's going to be able to beat each other. And I think that's huge. And being able to take, 
take care of home court it will be huge and then you know like you know it, how it is on the road is anytime you can get a road win is oh yeah no matter how you do it no doubt you know it's huge and um no it's just it's been crazy any any anytime you go flip it on tonight it could be tonight tomorrow there's going to be a new headline like you said and uh it's it's honestly fun to play just because you know every every game is going to be a battle well, and your 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 importance, and I think you and you and Klein, the importance you guys bring. Obviously, you're doing stuff on the floor, you're doing things in practice, but I think it's huge for the locker room because we got a lot of guys who haven't gone through this before. Mm-hmm. You know, this is their first go around, and for you guys to be able to sit there and tell them what to expect going into different buildings and what to expect, maybe on a day when you know the coaching staff's a little on edge, things yeah. like that. Talk about your role just in that regard in terms of leadership. I think the biggest thing for us uh, this year is being able to come in the same game and the same the same uh, mental mental aspect of it. You never want to take a day off, and um, I think it starts in practice. Being able to have a couple of good practices before each game because you see we have quick turnarounds after each right. each game. So it doesn't matter if you win one or lose one. You still have to come out and have that same that same practice and the same focus and. Uh, we talk about all the time through walkthroughs, trying to stay focused throughout those, and um, obviously everyone's got to know their scouting report and do those little things on your own. But me and Klein, the, the seniors, we have to do a, a good job of just keeping everyone together on that same page and uh, coming out with the same mindset. You know, we have some younger guys that haven't played in hostile environments, and um, you know. The first first ones we got to see, you know, Michigan State on the road, Michigan on the road, Wisconsin on the road. Those are the three, you know, three of the the bigger venues that you're gonna, you know, be in hostile environments. But you gotta let them know that it's gonna be like that every right. night moving right. forward. So, right. um, that that's just our that's our key this year, and I think you know we just gotta keep doing a good job of that. So I think it's pretty well documented. Um, last year's team and the previous years that we kind of referenced earlier was a pretty close knit group. Um, those four seniors that walked out the door last year, you know, were a tight knit bunch. You were very close to them. Um, but I think our fans see this year's team is really close too. I mean, yeah. you, we have a locker room where everybody gets along. Mm-hmm. We got, uh, like any year, you got guys from different backgrounds and, you know, different interests, things like that. But when you guys are together, um, it genuinely seems like you have a lot of fun and uh, you're kind of enjoying this process together. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, no, it is, and you know we got a lot of jokesters on the team. You know, between <laughs> yeah. Aaron, Nogel, uh, we got a lot of dry humor too. Evan, you know, he'll he'll go at you, and you don't even realize it. He's like, he just cracked a joke on you, but <laughs> some guys may not even understand it. But uh, no, we got we got a good team, and you know, a lot of guys that like to have fun, and that's I think that's our biggest thing is trying to keep them you know level headed at times. You know, we can right. you know get to. Uh, we can get to uh, how do I want to put this? You know, uh, happy, I guess. And you know, after wins, you got to keep them on that same level right. the whole time. And um, no, but it's it's great having all those guys around, and uh, especially for my last year, uh, they they they're the ones that you know make it fun coming into to practice every day and uh, having that having that mindset. So and you have to have that. It's such a grind. You have to be able yeah. to break it up a little you bit. Be able to, lay loose a little bit well you and i i know have had a great relationship and we're always kind of busting each other in practice and stuff and i i told my wife said you're not gonna get into his nickname are you i said i think we kind of have to don't we she said oh that's such a low blow but 
I think we, I think we got, I think we got to talk about because it it's a big part of our team. Yeah. So we, I go in the locker room one day. The guys are out practicing, and I'm putting stuff in everybody's locker, little notes. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It's some information I was handing out. Grady's locker's open, so I set his card there, whatever I was putting in there. And I look, and he's got a pair of shoes sitting there. And on the tongues of the shoes, it said one said prime, and the other said beef. Prime beef. And I thought, what is that? And obviously, he, he some shoes he had custom made, and he had that on the Nike ID program you can do. You can put little, you know, words on your shoes. So anyway, I go back out to practice, and I go. I kind of walked by him and just kind of nonchalantly said, let's go, prime beef. And he looked at me like, how the hell did you get that? And so then, <laughs> so then afterwards, he explained, so tell us the origin of this. No, that's exactly what happened. I think you came out and said, let's go beef. And I was just like kind of thrown off by it. I think we were doing stretches or something. And I was just like, how does he know that? And it kind of comes from at a young young age. My my older brother and his friends, the whole the full nickname is grade A prime beef. So it started off with grade A, and then I don't know how they, they just put prime beef on it. You know, I was a little chunkier kid growing up. When I was when I was younger, then I thinned out when I got to high school. But um, then 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 they just started calling me Prime Beef, and uh, that kind of stuck. <laughs> and there's no real true meaning behind it. They always just they call me that from a from a young age, and just one of those childhood nicknames. Yeah, it, it kind of stuck. And I've had several here. I've had old seventy seven when I was in my uh, I had broken my nose and I wore a, wore a mask covering my nose, and I think we were doing a rebound drill, and I got like six in a row or something and yep. coach brain was like dude you look like an offensive lineman out there running around oh you so they started calling me 77 <laughs> so i've gone between 77 and beef and i don't know <laughs> i don't know which one's better but i think my brother and his friends you know would definitely side with beef and anytime i tell him that sort of i'm like yeah coach bloom is calling me beef on the sidelines dude i, I love that that's awesome oh a lot of a lot of us call him that now and and uh, the 77 was so apropos because the rebounding drill he's talking about we call it rebound war and it's usually a five minute drill where the guys are just knocking each other senseless trying to get rebounds and uh it's you know used to build toughness and get that sense of urgency on the glass and what was great about it is i remember that day when you were getting every rebound and there's been a lot of days since that you dominate that rebounding drill and I think our fans see a lot of that in the game. Um, and I think what's cool is we've always talked about our fans' knowledge of basketball, and Coach Painter always references that. But what's cool is when you make a play in Mackey, a hustle play, and you'll go get an offensive rebound, kick it out to that guard, you know, or save it out of bounds, you always hear that crowd go crazy. Yeah. They, they really, really appreciate yeah. those plays, and it's just really cool to see that they get to see those moments. We see them all the time in practice, but for you to finally make them, uh, in a game and for them to be able to see that it's just awesome yeah and <laughs> the nicknames have even you know transformed into you know if i'm having a bad day in practice or you know <laughs> not bringing my a game i'll either hear from you or even coach paints had a couple of times and he's like you're you're not prime beef today you're you're a little bit like ground turkey or something like that so we'll morph the beef name yeah, so some they, days he's a fillet he's top yeah. notch some days he's just ground turkey <laughs> yeah if i'm being soft it's normally a fillet if i'm not playing well at all it's ground turkey or something like that so no well, heck you could go fun. to a restaurant and just use your name uh, for the cut of beef that you might want i'll have a uh grady eifert medium rare we'll have an eifert medium rare today please yes, a little please. mushrooms and some blue cheese yes 
Well, uh, this has been awesome, Grady. We appreciate you taking time. A Caesar salad. Yeah, and a side of Caesar. <laughs> we always uh, end the uh, podcast with fi- our final four. These are four questions that we ask all our guests. So our first question here on the final four with our senior, Grady Eifert, is what is your go-to music of choice? Ooh. Um, I'm not a big music guy, but if I had to, you know, listen to some, probably be hip-hop and then in the summer a little bit of country probably so so i've always asked this when we have players on who's got the worst musical taste on our team who's the guy when he goes over to plug his ipad in or like, ipod and no. you're like come on dude it's probably no gel honestly <laughs> <laughs> we always joke i always joke with him anyways but uh i just some of the guys he plays that you can't they, you can't even understand them but like they always give him a hard time because he pulls out these Chicago dudes. That yeah, nobody's yeah. Heard nobody's heard of. Or <laughs> I think G Herbo is his, his main guy that he he loves. But uh, no, it's it's all it's all fun. Okay, so uh, question number two here on the final four is: um, What is your favorite book or a good book you've read recently? You you know what it is. It's uh, the David Goggins book. It, it just came out. Uh, it's about a former Navy SEAL, and uh, he's been through. You know, he's been through everything. He's been through three hell weeks, and uh, he had a rough childhood uh, growing up. And uh, it's it's a great book, and I I'd suggest it to anybody. Honestly, he translates it into the, the workforce, and I'm all, I'm in I'm in the middle. I haven't I haven't read the whole thing. I'm on chapter seven, I think, and um, it, it's honestly it's a it's a great book. So well, I saw you read it the other day. When we were on the road, and anytime we do a podcast and we get to the book question. Larry and I will sometimes talk beforehand like, you think this guy's a reader? I don't know. Like we could, you know, this could be yeah. a tough question for this particular guest. And this morning when I was kind of writing things out here and I thought, oh, you know, the book question, like, oh, oh great, he's good. I saw him read a book the yeah. other day, so he's going to be in good Probably shape. the first one in about 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, great timing because yeah, it worked time. out well here for the podcast. So, Larry, you read anything recently? I'm reading a C.S. Lewis book right now, the trilogy uh, kind of a interesting book. I've only read uh, 45 pages. They all came yesterday, but I kind of got interested in it. Now I want to read the whole thing. There's a lot of pages there, but it's kind of interesting, yeah. Oh, good. I am uh, I just got a book on John Muir, the uh, environmentalist and the uh, great outdoorsman uh, that I got for uh, Christmas. I'm in the middle of that right now and enjoying that one, so Always good to have books on the road in the middle of Big Ten season here. All right, Grady, question three here on the final four. If you could wave a wand and do any profession starting tomorrow, what would it be? Other than a basketball player. Yeah, professional golfer. Really? I just think, I mean, they live the life. You, your job is to go out and uh, play golf, and you're normally doing it in good weather, and uh, you get to travel a lot. You get to see a lot of different places, and um, it's something I've done at a young age, like I mentioned earlier. But yeah, I think that'd be a be a dream of mine. Obviously, you got to win tournaments to right. to make the money. But uh, just had, being able to travel and play a sport that I love would be awesome. I think we had somebody else say a golfer, and I can't remember who it was. I don't really can't be Dakota. Either. He's terrible at golf. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who would have said that, but I think we might have had somebody in our past. One of our, I'm sure one of our listeners will recollect that. And if you do. Give me a shot at boilerballpodcast at gmail or hit me on Twitter and, well, and let golf, us know. But. Golf um, amazes me in the the way you have to, how good you really have to be. 
because I, I always say, and I was a good golfer growing up in mid-40s. I was, I, I was real good by standards of Lafayette, Indiana, but not even but not even good there either. Like like you were good, but not you couldn't win a city championship. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then you start thinking about that. Now we're talking about Lafayette. Start thinking about that. Every city in the country, right? And every city in the country yeah. has that type of a you know golfing background. And every city has one player that normally is the best player in the city. Wins but, a championship like three out of you know four yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And exactly. when you when you look at that, we're talking thousands, <laughs> right? And then you and then you go to the tour and you think, how good can these guys be? Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, it is. And it really it really is something because you're talking, you know, half a less than a half of one percent, and uh, man, I, I just I can't figure out. And I've played with a lot of good players in our area. I mean, some really good players. We got a guy here in Lafayette right now, you know, shot a 64 out of the Elks the other day, or 63, I think. I mean, that's a good score. Yeah. I don't care where you're playing. Right. You've been playing in your backyard on a putt-putt course. That's a good score. But there's a lot of guys like that. Just amazing. Now, I know your dad plays. Do your brothers play? Yeah. So do you, the four of you get out? Well, my my younger brother, he still needs to work on it a little bit. He okay. doesn't play enough. But, yeah, well, us three go out. It's pretty competitive. Oh, I can we only. We always tease my dad. He's like, you've been playing forever, and you're still this bad. Like, <laughs> I can able. only imagine the smack then, that gets talked on the tee box. And then we'll wake up one morning. We'll, you know, we'll have a tea time, and I'll be like, did dad already leave? I thought he was taking us. He's been at the range for like an hour trying to hit balls and, you know, trying to... Bust it. Yeah. He's trying to get one up on you guys. Well, he's probably got to get the back loosened up. Yeah, when you get older, it's hard. It's hard. That's funny. That would be a lot of fun to see you guys out there uh, competing like that. So, final question here on the Final Four with Grady Eifert. What is something that no one or very, very few people know about you? A little-known fact about Grady Eifert. Hmm. That's tough. Um, I kind of stole one with prime beef, but yeah, I was gonna say no yeah, one knows that. <laughs> well, at least they get people outside of this. But uh, I'm trying to think, I'm, I'm pretty much an open book. I don't. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think there's. I would, I'm trying to think of things that maybe our fans wouldn't know about you, but yeah. Um. I don't know. My, I mean, not a lot of people know my mom and my sister also went here, too. A lot of people just know my dad played basketball here. And did your mom and dad meet here? Or was uh, it afterwards? They, no, they met in high school as well. Oh, okay. So they went to the same high school, and then okay, uh, she came here, and so did my dad. But my sister went to school here, graduated from here. But and when, what year did your sister graduate? She would have been... She graduated as I was coming in, so she had left the year... We weren't here together. She had left. That's right, because um, when you guys came to that game, you would obviously yeah, come down yeah, and see her and see stuff. Her, yeah. I, forgot, I forgot all about that. Yep, so. I feel bad that we didn't bring your sister up earlier in the no, uh, in the podcast. Hey, before we, um, before we say goodbye to Grady, uh, I want to say, you know, uh, I've been there 41 years, as everybody knows, and I've gone through some great players and some not so great players (laughs) Uh, but I want to tell you this is one hell of a young man 
Yeah, and uh, it. he uh, he's always shown uh, such respect for me, and uh, and I would imagine that comes from his dad too. But man, this guy is. He's done everything anybody would expect him to do and more. And when people say something about, well, you know, Grady's a walk-on, why are we playing a walk-on here? Tell me one guy that he shouldn't be playing over at his position. So he, he's earned everything that he has gotten, and uh, he's, a, he's, he's respectful, and he's a great representative of Purdue University. Appreciate it, Cliz. means a lot. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Gray's been uh, been absolutely great, and I'm just really excited to go down the stretch run here with him. Um, you know, we I think it's safe to say we get pretty close with all of our guys, and uh, you know, I'm, Gray and I have gotten along really well over his tenure, and I'm just excited to kind of go down his senior year with him. And I know when that day rolls around at the end of the year in yeah. Mackey, it'll be a little bittersweet. We'll yeah. be so excited for you to be able to enjoy that day with your family. Uh, we'll, we'll also be very sad to see walking out that door, but a lot of basketball to be played uh, between now and then. So, uh, you know, congrats on everything, Grady. Um, and then uh, thanks for joining us here on the podcast and sharing some of these memories and thoughts about uh, your time here at Purdue and kind of the season we're having right now. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. It was always, always a fun time with you two. And can finally say I've been on the you know the, the famous podcast between Bloom and Cliz. So. And now you're gonna get the bump, the famous podcast bump. So expect your social media numbers oh, to go yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. Expect your life to change in little ways. Walking across campus now, you'll probably get approached by a few more people. I should I should I should have let them know. Yeah. Before you even ask them to do the show, that you, do you really want to? Do that? Can you handle it? Yeah. Can you handle the fame and notoriety that's yes, gonna come exactly from your appearance on the Boilerball podcast? <laughs> he can he can handle yeah. it alright well that was episode 52 here on the podcast want to thanks, thank everybody for joining us as always uh, we plan to uh, keep churning these out now that Cliz is back in the saddle and we're, we're happy about that again if you have any feedback please pass it along via twitter or boilerballpodcast at gmail.com thank you again everybody for listening and until next time be curious be informed and be well